1: You know, the internet is bigger than you can imagine even when you think about how big the internet can possibly be. And so you think, oh, I have this niche. I'm gonna do uh, you know, substack for Rolex collectors. And you're like, oh, what's the TAM there, A 1,000? It's like, no, 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 it's 50,000, right? And I think everything is like 10 or 50X more than you think, which leads to so much opportunity. I think we're in the first inning of, let's call it maybe a CMO, multiple CMOs thinking, oh, wow, I can build $100 million businesses off the backs of my brand I think they're too focused on, you know, building businesses. So we're in the first inning there of people leaving their jobs and going full time on content.
0: Welcome to Media Empires, where we sit down with the most influential media creators right now to learn exactly how they built their empires. Our aim is to extract the secrets of top tier podcasters, newsletter authors and media creators who are breaking the old rules for media success. Whether you're looking to start your own empire or simply curious about the nuts and bolts behind media businesses, you'll find valuable insights and tactics in each episode. Grab your headphones, let's dive in. Riverside is a presenting sponsor of Media Empires. It's an essential part of our tech stack. Riverside makes scaling a media business possible for us and so many podcasters and creators. It's our online recording studio, not just for the show, but across the entire podcast network. Riverside lets us record interviews with the best guests from wherever they are in the world. Our team can also cut short form clips directly from Riverside. Because as any listener of the show knows, you create once and then publish everywhere. Sign up for riverside.fm today by following the link in the description box and use our code MediaEmpires to get a 20% discount. Austin Reef is the CEO of Morning Brew, a media company that covers business news with a unique blend of wit and insight. Morning Brew is a $70 million and growing business that encompasses newsletters, podcasts, brands, and products. During our conversation, Austin shares his perspective on the future of the media business, the critical elements that determine success, including talent and monetization, and where he sees the single biggest opportunity to build a media empire. Austin, thanks for coming on Media Empire's podcast. Excited to chat with you. Yeah, happy to chat. Awesome. So, Austin, your, your Morning Brew story has been told in lots of different podcasts. So, I kind of want to start in the in the middle a little bit, or, or tell some stories that perhaps haven't been as uh, as widely told. I'm curious as you think about the evolution of Morning Brew. Uh, what were kind of the different forks in the road, or, or kind of different like phases where? You made a decision to expand it this way, you know, different verticals, for example, or, or you know, evolve in this way, you know, d- courses and other business lines where you could have perhaps made a different decision. I'm curious, what, what were the kind of those
1: evolutions or forks in the road? Yeah, so I think there were a bunch of inflection points, right? A bunch of decisions. So you can start at the beginning uh, or towards the beginning when we decided to uh, go more general. I think it's a the theme of Morning Brew is uh at the time you know, 2018 or so when we hit a million subscribers we had this idea uh, do we go down funnel and build a verticalized media company that stands for finance or do we stand for more general business news uh, and we opted to stand for more general business news now we do create content in retail marketing hr all these verticals but we didn't build a business that has you know seven or eight different revenue streams all targeting let's call it people who work on uh, on wall street so i think that was, a, that was a that was one big one and then you know, along the way, every time we decide to continue to grow, decide to launch something new is another inflection point. And do we aim for growth or profitability, whether it's expanding into it multimedia or trying to build direct to consumer revenue? These are all uh, inflection points in the business and trying to you know grow a little bit more, take it up a notch, diversify revenue a bit.
0: What what are things you decided not to do of like, hey, that's just either too hard or outside of our competent area or... Um, we just don't think it makes business sense, even though other people are suggesting, "Hey, maybe we should we should explore it."
1: Yeah, I mean, the early days, the big, re- I mean, twenty seventeen. The recommendation we got was, you know, pivot to video, launch video. It was all about video on Facebook, right? And at the time, we started a newsletter because we didn't know a single thing about video. Like, I, I we couldn't have made videos, right? E- even the idea that uh, you know you just like pop up your camera and do this, this wasn't nearly as as accessible in twenty seventeen, and so. And that was a big thing. We're like, you know, we're just going to focus on the newsletter business. That's something we know. Like, we're not exactly sure. We we're not going to go raise $10 million, try to compete with BuzzFeed or, or Vice or anyone like that.
0: One thing you've talked about is being really excited about just just niches and, and just like, you know, owning a niche, um, especially, you know, B2B niche or a high consumer, um, you know, a consumer niche with high consumer spend, you know, uh, serving rich people effectively. That said, you picked a psychographic profile. I'm curious do you think other companies should also consider picking psychographic profiles or are they all kind of picked over like let's talk about we're starting a media company in 2023 morning brew already exists et cetera. like how would you think about that trade off
1: yeah, I think it's interesting because I think a lot of what I say now is very counterintuitive uh, or, or counteracts or, or you know, uh, is not what we did for Morning Brew. And I think that's always the challenge with startups in general, trying to copy that companies are successful, right? Starting in 2017, I thought we, we, we showed that you can go general, right? The skim showed that you could target women. Uh, we showed that you could target, target business interested people. Uh, but those large swaths uh, have been taken up by the Morning Brews and the skims of the world. But then also the number of people, the long tail of people who are creating content for specific niches has increased so much that now uh, I, I think that to, to try to compete with a morning brew at scale is really, really hard. And what the internet has shown and what these platforms have shown more than anything is that you know, the internet is bigger than you can imagine even when you think about how big the internet can possibly be. And so you think, oh, I have this niche. I'm going to do uh, you know substack for Rolex collectors. You're like, oh, what's the TAM there? A thousand? It's like, no, 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 it's fifty thousand, right? And I think everything is like ten or fifty x more than you think, which leads to so much opportunity.
0: Totally. So if we're, if we're talking to you know ambitious media exec, you know media entrepreneurs who want to start a media company in twenty twenty three, is, is are your options either like go super deep on a niche, crush that niche across multiple platforms, and you know you'd be surprised at how big that that you know um, sort of. Opportunity could be like the, you know, Kevin Rose uh, luxury watch, you know, company, I think that's doing like a hundred million in revenue or something. Um, or is it, and, or an option is to like, try to aggregate niches, like what Industry Dive did, what, you know, Workweek is trying to do, like, does it feel like those are the two options or how, how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, t- to me, I mean, those, both those companies are quite successful. I know, I mean, Industry Dive sold for half a billion dollars. To me, the, the, the first is really where the opportunity is because, you know, start a business today, uh, and it really depends. Do you want this to be a lifestyle business where you can make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, or do you want it to be a $50 million revenue business? But if you want the former, you're really going to have to diversify not away from ads or not away from subscription, but in addition to, right, a watch marketplace, for example. And if that's the case, you have to pick a niche and become known as the go-to expert in that niche. And I think in that respect, we are in the first inning because there are so many CFOs, CROs, CEOs who I think they think the opportunity in content or content-led business, not only content, but content-led business is quantified in the hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And I actually get done right. You know, it can lead to, you know, nine, 10-figure outcomes. Again, not, not the newsletter itself, but, but what it can lead to. And so I think we're in the first inning of, you know, let's call it maybe a CMO, multiple CMOs thinking, oh, wow, I can build hundred million dollar businesses off the backs of my brand, I think they're too focused on, you know, building businesses. So we're in the first inning there of people leaving their jobs and going full time on content,
0: give, give more examples that you you give the watch marketplace as, as one, but like, what are, what are more, you know, let's, let's further paint the picture of like what this could look like, um, such that, you know, like in terms of kind of filling the gaps of what people are missing
1: on how big these businesses could be. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like, there's obviously the big examples, right? There's, there's Mr. Beast and Feastables, Logan Paul and Prime, right? These are billion-dollar companies already. In, in my, in my guess, right? I don't know, I haven't seen the numbers. Um, those are big scale plays, right? But then there's so many niches, right? Right? There's, there's um people doing it in fitness, you know. There's, there's cosmetics. There's, I, I, I met a guy who um has a YouTube channel, uh, for woodworking, and he has like a an eight-figure business for woodworking. And so there are so many opportunities in all these niches. And I think the important thing is you have to pick, as you mentioned, you have to pick a niche that either you're putting company cards down, so it's, you know, real estate or, or finance or, or investing or marketing, or it's something that people have high disposable income, or they spend a high percent of their disposable income, income on it. So hunting, fishing, right? These people are spending so much money on this, you know, race car driving, People spend so much money on these, uh, and, and there's so many opportunities there. One other is there's someone uh, I, a blank in his name. They started flying mag, um, and it's a magazine all about flying. And then I'm pretty sure the way he monetizes is he he owns and then sells homes by landing strips. Like I, I think he bought like a community, I think, and he's selling. He's, he's in a real estate play where he's selling real estate. You can watch, you know planes land and and see different planes and like stuff like that, like really unique ways to monetize things, I think are really, really cool. And I think you're going to see so much more of this.
0: Totally. That's really exciting to see. You went on Greg Eisenberg's podcast recently, and you said that you are, you're so excited about this um, niche uh, opportunity that you're interested in potentially, you know, funding or even co-founding kind of opportunities in, in, in this space. Like, what types of things you'd be potentially interested in, in getting involved in or, or that you just want to see happen?
1: What I want to see over the next 5 to 10 years is any true expert, right? Whether you're an expert because you've worked in the industry for 10 years, whether because you've been a watch collector, a fly, you know a pilot, come in and, and, and build a brand on Twitter, on LinkedIn, in a newsletter, and really have propensity for call to action. I think there are a lot of people out there who, you know, hack their way to 100,000 subscribers via Twitter threads, but I, I don't think they're really gonna you know, uh, sell you anything. Their, their audience doesn't really love what they, the content they create. But I'm talking about true experts. And I think the opportunity over time is to build a really lean, high margin business and just build a brand. Be the go-to person for flying or for you know, it's hunting. It's the same idea of really uh, owning a space. It, the reason why it's so hard is because most startups, you can kind of hack your way there right you can say hey i'm going to learn about the ride sharing business and i'm going to you know build uber I and mean, obviously that wasn't easy right but but you don't have to you, didn't, you know, travis didn't have to be a taxi driver right the and in fact it was probably a benefit right of him to not be you know or, or own a taxi cab company right airbnb guys famously obviously they had people stay on their couches but they didn't work at marriott but for this idea you actually have had to put in the 5 10 15 20 years to become an expert and that's what's so hard is the people who want to do it don't have the expertise, don't have the experience, don't haven't spent the time. And that's kind of the interesting part here is it kind of breaks some of the the narratives of Silicon Valley and VC investing. Yeah, br- br- breaks it. How so? In the sense of again, you you in in Silicon Valley, you know, it, it's often said that you don't want to disrupt an industry from within, right? You don't want to have worked at Marriott and then disrupt it. You want to have an outsider's perspective because you can view things differently and you don't view these, these artificial or potentially artificial walls as barriers. You're just like, oh, well, wh- why? You, you ask why? Like, Why is that the case, right? But let's say, for example, someone was gonna start, he uh, was gonna build a brand all around copywriting, right? You want someone who's really, really good at copywriting, has spent years doing that, and so in that regard, Um, You know, they don't have to be an industry expert, but they have to be really good at copywriting.
0: Yeah. Make expertise great again. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Um, So
0: thought experiment, let's say, you know, Morning Brew was flourishing, but you were no longer there um, uh, and you still have the same expertise and resources that you have now. And let's say you were ambitious to build another media company. Why not? created, uh, would, would you create like an agency or like a private equity model or like what is the business where you take all these experts and you get the benefits from scale? Like wh- how do you think
1: about that? Yeah. So I, I think it's an interesting idea. I haven't exactly you know, come across you know, how, what it would look like, but I, I think totally, right. I have an idea, you know, if I wasn't at Morning Brew, would I do this for building media companies, right? Would I create a, a media company about building media companies, right? Like it's a little, um, yeah, meta. it's a little like meta. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Would I consult and help all these people start their companies? And again, the question is, how would I monetize, right? Because I wouldn't want to monetize a consultancy fee. uh, You'd
0: you'd probably take some upside, right? You'd you'd co-found it with them, effectively.
1: Exactly, exactly. Or, you know, what's interesting is, uh, and I'll give him a shout out. uh, There's a guy named Tyler Denk who worked at Morning Brew was our first I mean, was our first like everything besides writer, our first product manager, first growth marketer. And he started a company called Beehive, right? It's a. it's a competitor to the Substacks, the reviews. But what's interesting is at the time we couldn't launch that within Morning Brew. What was interesting is, and I would never do this because Tyler's built a great company, but if I went out and did that, right? That's exactly in this model of me building this verticalized media company. And the question is how do you aggregate across many? How do you partner with them? Are you buying? Are you building? i think it can be done in a number of different ways uh i just think you need the right people and you need to, most importantly be able to add enough value to a creator to get them to work with you
0: yes and and that is a that is a, that is a high bar um and and so sticking to the aggregation theme l- l- let's talk about industry dive like if industry dive started in 2023 um w- what would it look like and and would it be successful is is there an opportunity to build kind of like a you know, um, aggregator of 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 trade, um, you know, uh, content niches, or how do you think about that?
1: Well, I I don't know if you get started from scratch. I mean, I, I guess you 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 technically could, right? But it's really hard. I think what Industry Dive did is they took took these trade publications that were written, and brought them online and made them look much better uh, and made the content more internet friendly, internet native, but. I think now it would be tough to replicate that model. Like, there's just so many more companies. But I do think there's a big, and this has been spoken about a ton, in the the media industry. But there's probably a B two B rollup of sorts, right? Where there are all these niche publications that are doing two, three, four, ten million dollars of revenue. They have a conference business. They have a subscription. They have an ad business. And can you buy all of these? The real estate pubs and the the marketing pubs and and scale technology across all of them, scale ad sales across all of them. You know, what are the synergies and build something really big. Uh, and, and I think the the like kicker there would be if you can build a data product on top of all of that and sell data into these companies, that's where it becomes really, really interesting, right? That's where you can build something where it, it truly is venture backable, right? You know, in the tens of billions. And it's what like Freight Waves is trying to do in the freight industry. If you can do that across 10 or 15, it gets really interesting.
0: Yeah. It's um and say more about what the what the what the data business would would, would look like and how you'd get like economies of scale across these categories.
1: Like what, what's really important there. Yeah, so I, I I'm not an expert on the data business, right? But what what a media company does is it gives you access to a lot of people in a frequent basis, right? And so you can either collect data from them, right, interview these people, um, or you can give them data and do like a data sharing service, for example. So oh, you can get you can, you know, you're in the, I don't know, the watch business, right? Like, you know, you, you can plug into like your business, for example, and and I can see anonymously, of course, um, almost like a similar web, right? I can see what what you guys are selling and for what price, and you can and in exchange for that, you get data from other people and you're selling into that. Um, and I'm not a data product expert, but there's something there around owning the audience to the entire. Uh, the entire industry you have access to everyone they trust you they trust you more than any other you know publication
0: makes sense a lot of opportunity there let's look at work week as, as another example and you know there's a specific company but I'm also just curious at the the broader model that that they're that they're doing um what what do you think is is exciting about my model and what do you think is like a risk of, of 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 that model and and of course you guys are you know have your own flavor on it
1: yeah. I, look, I, I think B2B is always interesting. I that, That's like my my thing is I think consumers are hard. Consumer brands are hard. They're here today, gone tomorrow. So I, I really do like what Workweek's doing in the sense that they're going B2B and they're using talent, right? And I think talent first is the way to go. And so they have a a flavor of what I'm talking about. I think it's a really interesting business model. I think they saw what Industry Dive uh, did and they said, okay, how do we make the Industry Dive for 2022 or 2023? and this is the business they came up with and i think it is a it is a good idea it's a really interesting concept and so i like that you know, look i mean the challenge is always working with individuals is hard right they you know they well, what's the expression uh, uh, mickey mouse doesn't get a dui right <laughs> you know, when you when you when you work with you know when you're disney why is this such a great business mickey mouse doesn't die and mickey mouse can't go to jail or you know whatever it may be so that, that that that's pretty nice, right? So that's always the challenge: is dealing with people. How do you deal with people? How do you retain them? How do you keep them motivated? How do you add enough value to them where they stay excited and like you? These are all the things that we deal with on a day to day basis, and they're going to deal with too. And and you know, if if they can execute well, it's an execution game. There's no there's no technology risk. It's all execution risk. Yeah, it is. Um, it is interesting.
0: You know, the industry dive takes this kind of like you know everyone. You know, I, I don't mean, I say this in a positive way, or I don't mean to say it in a negative way, but everyone's replaceable And some, like, it's all about the brand, uh, and less about the, you know, the individual creator. Um, whereas workweek, I think it's, to, I don't say exact opposite, but they're much more creator, you know, f- focused, um, and, and workweek is kind of the, you know, white label in, in, in the back brand in the back, empowering it. Um, you, you guys, I think explore both models or do some hybrid in some ways. H- how do you think about like the pros and cons of those models or, or, or what do you think makes most sense? You're saying between creator and the brand? Yeah, like unified, unified
1: brand. I mean, so so I think every business is different, right? Uh, but for us, we think the balance is to do both, to build a really great brand and leverage the brand. You don't you don't want to hide the brand, right? You want the brand to, especially in an ad-based business where you're trying to work with big, you know, financial institutions or big uh, consumer brands, they want to trust your brand. So you need to have the Morning Brew brand, or we believe we need to put that front and center. But we also believe that people follow people. People follow individuals. And it's the the classic, you know, individual over institution mindset. And so we think the correct thing to do is to bring them together. Um, there are a ton of companies who are successful not doing that. Industry Dive, of course, is one. Um, the uh, The Economist is another, has really succeeded with that. So it's not impossible to succeed either way. But I think knowing why you're doing what you're doing is what's important.
0: Yeah, I um I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I'm up to in a way that, um, helps kind of put some of these questions in, in context. And also, um, you know, it's, it's, a bit of a, I'm going to ask for a live advice session. Um, all right. Ba- basically I'm incubating a, a media company in, in the tech space, but my vision is basically, um, podcasts and newsletters for every category. Some of it's going to be partnered with VCs, um, who are just like too busy to do this on their own, but Hey, you, they just show up or founders, And, but they have good distribution and they make good content. And then I'll take care of everything else. And some of it is going to be actually finding the next, the Lenny, when he's at Airbnb and has an inkling that he wants to write a newsletter, what advice or even follow up questions to better understand, um, you know, what you have or reactions.
1: Yeah. My question would be why why, why would someone partner with you, right? What are you providing for them such that they should partner with you? Um, that's always the biggest thing is like everyone wants to build a network and they're valuable if you can build them. But why is someone going to work with you? And then why, when they become successful, are they going to stay? And why are they not going to just leave? As long as you have the right infrastructure, the right contract length, the right setup, if you bring in a Joe Rogan or a, a, a um, oh, what's it, Lex Friedman, right, or any of these people, right, into your ecosystem, and yes, it's going to suck when they leave. But if they if they haven't act as a rising tide that lifts all boats for what you've built, then you really don't have the right infrastructure in place, right? And so your goal should be to retain them as long as possible. They may leave, or maybe renegotiate where they get the vast majority of the upside. But that's also going to be very dependent on what are the shared services you provide for them. Are you selling their ads? Are you helping them grow? Are you editing their content? Are you sourcing guests? All of that stuff will go into their calculus on if they leave or if they stay.
0: Fascinating. How do you think about uh, different formats? Like I, I, I know Industry Dive is just like you know um, newsletter slash like publications. Like are podcast networks on their own that valuable, or how should I think about the like the business value of podcasts versus versus newsletters versus like newsletters plus new or whatever industry dive does like combination. Of-
1: yeah, so so one insight that I think is really important for anyone starting thinking about a network is that like mediums grow like mediums, right? So podcasts grow other podcasts, newsletters grow newsletters, you know, YouTube grows YouTube, but growing across is very hard. It is, I mean, you'll see um, growing from Twitter to podcast, like you might think, or newsletter to podcast even, right? We expect our conversion rate on listeners to podcast downloads, even to give it one try, would be super high. And it wasn't that high, right? Because it's a different, it might be the same psychographic of person, but they have different consumption habits. And oftentimes the person wants to read a seven times a week newsletter, doesn't want to listen to a once a week, 45 minute interview podcast. And so having the network of one medium and dominating a medium and then expanding uh, is super powerful.
0: Let's say you dominated the podcast. Like, how should I think about monetization on, on, on or just how you guys think about monetization on, on podcast networks?
1: For us, it's, I mean, it, it's host-read ads, right? So it's an ad-based model. Uh, and then we've built, uh, or we've been working towards a direct-to-consumer uh, business as well. So for example, we have a, a really... A successful creator on our platform. Her name's Katie Gaddy. Her podcast is The Money with Katie Show. Uh, you know, 40 to 50,000 downloads per episode. Her Instagram is 150 some thousand. Her newsletter is 100 some thousand. Uh, every year she launches a wealth planner, which is updated every year and you put your income in and everything and it spits out all this information about your wealth helps you track your net worth. I mean, it's six figure products, right? And it's very high margin. Uh, and so we look to monetize in two different ways. I think ads are, you know, some people are very dismissive of ads. I think that's a mistake. I think ads are an important piece, but just a single piece of a puzzle. It's not the full puzzle.
0: Talk about the trade-off between subscription and ads or how modern media companies, like, is it, is it yes and, and just like often or always do both? Or how, should, how, how do you recommend I think about
1: it? Yeah. So it's yes and, right. I think uh, ads are really helpful to get things off the ground. And so you don't burn money, right. It's a good way to for most businesses to really fuel growth, uh, it's not a great business if you're trying to build, you know, again, a multi-billion-dollar business in terms of like you know, having true equity value. Ads are a very tough business. There, it's very fickle.
0: Yeah. Um, if you were dead set on building like uh, a media company in the tech space, you know there hasn't been a ton of innovation outside of the Lenny's and the Packies that, that we talked about. There was the information a few years ago, but that's kind of like a you know more of like a Wall Street Journal like news you know prop, scoops proper business. How would you think about like w- what is the opportunity or what what is the
1: white space in 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 tech media? I guess the do you consider lenny tech media? Um, I, I don't know if I would, right? Like I, I think it's all about definitions, right? And gets a little tough. But if you think the idea is operators helping people who work in tech not become more informed about the industry, but to become better at their jobs, the opportunity is endless, right? The opportunity to help people get better at their job. Is is endless. There's endless niches, endless opportunity. The the opportunity to tell better tech stories. Uh, to me, that that's not nearly as exciting if you're trying to build a big business.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm focused on the on the get better their job. It's um the working name for the company is called uh, Turpentine uh, after the quote by Picasso. When art critics get together, they talk about form and meaning. And when artists get together, they talk about where to buy cheap turpentine. So it's meant to be like practitioners. Talking to each other, you know, kind of insider, like on just how to get better.
1: That's a great quote. I love that name.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you. And so, when you say is endless opportunity, you, what you mean is just say go by like position by position, and you know, everyone's in some like career path. If they have a sense for how to how to get better in that career path, there's big opportunity
1: there. Totally. I, I think yes. I think the question though is, is is how big are those opportunities, right? And I think. That's going to be your biggest challenge is if, if there are $3 million opportunities, to sell ads in these niches is not easy, right? And it's tough to sell across, right? How many companies want to buy ads for project managers and for marketers and for people working in healthcare and people working in IT? And and that's always what's tough about going, uh, you know, going into horizontally across verticals. Scaling an ads team uh, is going to be tough. Yeah.
0: And... Is the reason why you guys pick the categories you pick because there is some adjacency to, to each other or because you already have an edge there?
1: Yeah, so we it's a variety of factors, right? We look at everything. We look at one, is there enough news to tell, right? We're in the news business. So is there enough, en- uh, enough stories to tell, right? That's really important because we want to send three to five newsletters a week per vertical. The second is... Is there enough overlap between the people, you know, that like the marketing industry and our reader base, that's our big advantage over someone like an industry dive is we start day one and have 50 or a hundred thousand subscribers. It's very unfair when your, your verticals are profitable day one, because you have a list. Yeah,
0: it's really interesting. Um, And so when you think about, uh, how to work with creators, let's say you're advising me on, you know, I identify these future Lennies, and I, you know, first I focus on what the value prop is, et cetera. Um. Do you have a sense for like, what are the economic arrangements that best set up for long-term success? Like, should I be trying to hire? Should I be trying to fund? I, I know some of it is case by case or a lot of it and depends what they care about too. But do you have an instinct on what like, you know, even medium term win-win relationships, you know, could look like?
1: Yeah. The funding thing is interesting to me, right? Now coming to terms on evaluation can be really tough. Uh, I think a lot of the way these networks work is you try to partner with big names as almost like marketing and to to uh to expedite distribution and then you try to bring in people who you think you found ahead of the curve people who you think can build a big brand who can become somebody but they're not right now and you pay them a salary and then you you know you kind of that's where you can really make your arbitrage right is finding uh, you know hidden gems, right? If you brought Lenny onto your platform, h- I mean h- how much arbitrage are you gonna find there? Right? He's he knows what he's worth and he's not gonna, you know, sell or or whatever for less than that. So you're not gonna find much arbitrage there. Versus if you found the next Lenny, right? Maybe someone who's more talented than Lenny, a better writer, but no one knows who they are and they actually haven't even started yet, right? They're still working at Airbnb. That's where the arbitrage opportunity is in my mind.
0: Yeah, totally. And so l- let's say, you know, I-, I found the the Lenny for you know, five or 10 different categories where we're off the races. There's, you know, there's a podcast, there's a newsletter, then there's kind of like additional business, there's like recruiting or there's, uh, events or there's other products that you, mentioned, you know, the planner was one example, like, or, or what have you learned about kind of the different, you know, courses, like different business opportunities and which ones make more sense to go into relative to, to each other.
1: And so I think the number one thing we've learned is it's really hard to do a bunch of things at the same time. And so. I don't think any are better than others, right? Necessarily, right? It's all about who the audience is, what the product is, what your level of investment is. But doing multiple things, having multiple sources of revenue and working on those simultaneously, that's really hard. And so I would recommend you maybe start with ads and then do events and then do courses. But over the course of years, so 2024 is our year of events, 2025 is our year of uh, courses. And what that, that thinking makes you do is it makes you pr- ruthlessly prioritize. Uh, if you only do one new thing each year, that's, that. I mean, that's very different. They say, hey, we're going to test everything. And testing everything is really hard and you need to have an A-plus team to say, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to try seven monetization, sh- uh, you know, revenue streams day one. It's really, really challenging.
0: Hard to do all, all at once for sure. L- l- let's give more advice to the creator. Uh, let's say, you know, Someone is listening to this, they have, you know, the 15 to 20 years of experience doing something, you know, uh, owning some niche, um, uh, like, you know, uh, they're an accountant or they're in real estate or they, you know, been in the insure tech space and, and they want to be creator. Um, and they're wondering what platform makes the most, like they could write newsletters, they could start a podcast, they could, you know, be a YouTuber, um, they could do other things, like, uh, uh, Instagram, et cetera, how, how should they, uh, TikTok, how should they evaluate, like. Which format um, might make most sense
1: yeah I, I think it depends what they're good at right if they're good on camera, I think YouTube's a great great platform, great platform if they're a good writer or if they can take a copywriting course and become a good writer, I think the written mediums are great too. I think they're a great place to start right Twitter's a great place to build a brand you can take that content, push you know, port it over to LinkedIn pretty easily, push all that to a newsletter the The starting off on Twitter, LinkedIn, pushing to a newsletter, and then go to a podcast, that's a really great path. So is the YouTube path. Uh, And I think those, while not mutually exclusive, again, you want to get really good at what you're doing. I I think the number one recommendation I give any creator who wants to work on a written platform is go take a copywriting course. Because most of of these creators, they're just not good at writing. Like, it's very, very very hard to be a good writer. Um, And it takes a lot of practice and practicing your craft. But if you can combine being a... CRO at a at a SaaS company, and you go and you're an amazing copywriter. That's really compelling. You can build a business off of that.
0: Totally, yeah. I, you know, I highly recommend that that course. Uh, you know, you, you guys are the best in the business when it comes to when it comes to copy. I mean, just on that idea, I feel like there are two interesting opportunities here. Um, uh, just like even for broader agency plays, one is like Coo in a box for creators. I you know identify you know, talented creator and say, Hey, here are the other platforms or businesses you should be doing, you know? And I was, I even had Jack butcher on the other day and we were brainstorming all the other things he he could be doing. And he's doing a lot already. And he's pretty entrepreneurial. He's like, yeah, I could be doing it, but I'm not. And I don't even, I don't want to, but if someone else was out there who's really capable and wants to do it with me, like I'd give them a big chunk of it. Um, so kind of COO in a box for creators who, who recognize that's what they need. But then also there's the kind of like, um, The opposite where it's, it's people who are good at operators, but don't know how to build like an audience, but they have really interesting thoughts, um, and experience. And they would ha like, if they were good at it, there's, they would build a big audience. And so it's almost like creator or, you know, audience builder in a box in terms of like, Hey, here, you know, here's how to write, here's how to do the frameworks or here, like, we'll do it
1: for you. Yeah, yeah, so 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 let's start with the second, right? I, I think the, the thing that's that's more commoditized is the operator, the COO. So the second one I think is tough because, like, you know, to say, hey, just like great write great content on accounting. That's you know, if that was the case, and if you could find people to do that, this this I don't think we'd have an opportunity here, right? This is a very, you know, maybe over the last ten years was when the platforms had all the power, right? It was all ever content was commoditized, and I think now we're seeing. The rise of, let's call it, super creators, where the creators are getting power back. Mr. Beast is more powerful than YouTube in a lot of respects, right? He became the fast-growing person on TikTok. And so he can port his audience over and he's so good, he can really control the platforms in some way. Um, Joe Rogan's worth $100 million or maybe $200 million, right? So I don't know if that works. My, The first one works, but I don't think you have to figure out the right way to do it because you have to, fight to find the right value exchange, right? Like what is the right value exchange such that a creator is going to give me a percent of their business or is it a new business and what's the business and how much of your time are you spending and are you doing across 10 creators or one? And so I think a lot, I've seen a lot of people try to do this like operations in a box and it will work and it does work, right? There's there are people out there who create alcohol brands for celebrities, right? But you have to be really focused. You have to be really, you have to be the, I mean, the best in the world at what you do and partner with great creators or otherwise the value exchange isn't there. You're not going to get paid enough such that you're happy and you're not going to provide enough value such that the creator's happy. Just to
0: just to follow up once more on the first idea to see if there's anything there. I mean, you can imagine someone like Dave Perel, you know, kind of like a couple of years ago um, when he was kind of newer and he was you know, starting up his his course and he was the guy on that. You could have imagined he would go to the Nick Hubers of the world. Like basically all these, like, you know, uh, all the, you know, people selling these commodities and say, Hey, I'm going to make you the real estate guy, I'm going to make you the, this guy. And I, because I have this course, I can find people to just like, you know, um, train you on how to do that or do it for you. And you're going to, you're going to become like the, the default, you know, known person for this very niche space. And I'm going to get some upside or, or you're going to pay me
1: handsomely for, for that. Do you, do you see that or not really? maybe I I'm skeptical right I I, I think that point of view right like I I think you discount how much you've learned about either company building or VC over the last 10 years such that you just think it's obvious right maybe hopefully I'm the same way about media someone else Dave Perel the same way about writing and so to just have someone write for you I mean yes cop ghost writing's a thing but to scale it to something meaningful, I think is, is, is hard. It's possible. I just think it's hard.
0: Yeah. I think you'd have to believe that it was like, you know, you take podcasts or something and turn it, like you, you find some way of translating the thinking in a way that's, that's honest to, to it. Um, and maybe it's audio, but, but yeah, it's, 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 it's not easy. A lot of things get, get lost there. How would you advise like growing the media properties once there's like one thing that's, that's working or is, is that the wrong framework to thinking about
1: the first thing is I think people too, uh, too quickly expand to another medium, right? Like I would just keep on, you know, running until the wheels fall off and just keep on going and make it, you know, the biggest newsletter, the biggest podcast that can be. And then I think you have to really have a reason. So many people have newsletters, launch podcasts for the sake of launching a podcast. Like, oh, it's just the next medium, but it's not differentiated. It's not very good. And so I think that's always the question is like, why you, why a podcast what topic? What content? That's, I think, uh, an important thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, don't. Yeah, don't take it for granted that 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 it'll work. I'm curious about your education business uh, and 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 the the, the courses business um, because you know some things I, I like my experience in the, in the courses business is that some of it was was inflated by just COVID, like a lot of people had a lot of time on their hands and and money, <laughs> um, and then also just that teachers wouldn't want to give classes again, you know, um, like if, if they were really good. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious how you're thinking about the course business has, has evolved and, and, and what that means for you guys.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree that cohort based courses were definitely a, uh, not a flash in the pan, but they had their moment and it's much harder now. And so we've taken our education business from one cohort based course to three cohort-based courses to now, cohort-based courses are like the middle of the funnel for us, right? We have download, downloadable things. We have, you know, $249 one day to one week sprints. Our cohort-based courses are our six to eight week products. And also we have a B2B offering and we're selling into businesses. And I think that is a big opportunity. I, I think especially with remote work, Companies are looking for ways to incentivize their employees when they can't buy them lunch every day or they're not buying them, you know, ping pong tables and they need culture. And I think we can provide uh, this experience. I I do think we, we, I mean, you look at NPS scores and and everything else, like the experience we provide is amazing. And I think the challenge is people, some people are are willing to spend $2,000 on that experience, but a company might be willing to spend, you know, $1,500 for a hundred people or 200 people. So we think B2B is a, an interesting path there and we'll see if it works out, but we're excited and we have a couple of clients lined up to, to beta test it. That's awesome.
0: When you think about the future of, of morning brew and kind of your, your vision for it, and obviously you've done a ton to, ton to date, um, over the, the past number of years, but what do you, how would you sort of pie chart? Like what you expect the, the business or the revenues is going to come
1: from and how, how is it different from what it looks like today? Right now it's vast majority ads. And it's vast majority of newsletter ads, and our goal has always been to continue to grow the absolute dollar of ads and newsletter ads, but decrease that as a percent of total revenue. And so our goal is to grow our podcast advertising revenue and our video advertising revenue, and then grow our education revenue. And so I hope that advertising is always the biggest part of our business. Um, otherwise, advertising will have collapsed, or I mean, may- maybe other businesses will have grown a ton, but. You know, our goal is to continue to increase the pie and slowly over time, make education 3%, 5%, 7, 10, 12, but make it challenging for that to grow because of how big the the ads business is getting.
0: Yeah, that's really inspiring. When, When you look at,
1: when you talk about your vision, like what's the closest thing like that, that, that has existed or exists today? So I think there are businesses doing kind of both, but not doing it together, right? I think industry dive reflects what was something like what we want to do on the B2B side. If you look at what we're doing on the uh, multimedia side of things, there's flavors of complex. There's flavors of uh, even like what uh, HubSpot has been doing with their network, right? There's flavors of uh, Spotify or, or Wondery, right? So there, there are all these other other orgs out there who are doing bits and pieces, but they're not putting it together the way I think that it can be done. And it's really hard, but I think we can take the best of, of industry dive and the best of here and the best of there, and bring it all together, uh, and, and just you know, build. I mean, essentially, what are we doing? We're trying to build the next Wall Street Journal, just doing it in a different way.
0: The HubSpot uh, po- podcast network is 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 really interesting. Um, wh- what do you think is is the is the business case for it for them? And, and do you think more
1: companies should 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 do that? When I first got in the media, to me, this verticalized media thing was so obvious. Right? Why wouldn't Robinhood buy Morning Brew or Coinbase buy Morning Brew? Why wouldn't HubSpot by the hustle, and they did, and so I guess my answer will be kind of contradictory. Yes, they should, but it's so hard. It's so hard to buy a media company, let it run independently, not disrupt it. Right? We've seen time and time again this model that looks. so I mean, it's like it's perfect for an M and A pitch deck, right? Like it's it's a banker's dream, right? I can make I could draw up the, the 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 deck in thirty seconds. In practice. Doing it and keeping the soul of the company and keeping the the team—that's what's so hard. And so, should more companies do it? Yes, but it's not quite as beautiful as you know a, a, an upside down triangle that you can you can kind of uh, just briefly draw in an M&A deck.
0: Totally. And and what,
1: what's exciting about it
0: is you're buying an audience and a brand um, at kind of an arbitrage, basically.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, if you think about it, right. What do you? I mean, I'll ask you. What do you think the average customer, um, the average customer value is? The, the LTV of a HubSpot customer. Let's say you, maybe it's measured in the thousands. And so it's like you know, if you if if you buy if HubSpot goes and buys a media company for ten or twenty million dollars, they only need you know a couple hundred customers to to break even, and that's the and that's the play, right? Is saying you're a you're a high LTV SaaS business, and you're going to buy a media company who not only has an audience, but they sell ads and that business is a volatile business. And so to take a check today as a media company is super attractive. And so yeah, I get totally, I mean, HubSpot, it seems like, and I don't know too, too much about it, but in addition to buying the hustle, they've been partnering with other creators. I mean, they're doing this, right? And the beauty from a creator standpoint is I don't have to work with a thousand advertisers. I get to promote one. And I think there's something really like nice and beautiful about that.
0: Totally. Gearing towards closing here, the the Morning Brew uh, alumni is a is a bit of a mafia. Um, you know, you mentioned Tyler earlier, sort of Beehive. Um, we're talking to the uh, the team that's running Smooth, and and a number of people there. You know, are are, are doing interesting things um, post their Morning Brew experience. Talk a little bit about uh, how you how you thought about it, or or, or what, how you react to sort of you know, um, what, what's happened at Morning Brew for for people who've who've gone and do really interesting stuff afterwards?
1: Yeah, I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool that people have learned enough here to be able to go on and start their own thing or be a part of something bigger. I think it's awesome. And so, you know, I, I like to cheer on everyone who, who goes and does something. And I think it's a testament just to the culture the company had in the first seven or 10 people. We were seven, you know, we were, I don't know, the first 10 people, let's say, The only reason they joined Morning Brew is because they were entrepreneurial, right? And so we basically had 10 10 CEOs, 10 entrepreneurs, 10 COOs, and everyone saw the company in a different light. Everyone saw a different opportunity and everyone, you know, is now attacking the opportunity they saw. Uh, And I think it's really cool to build this ecosystem around newsletters, media, whether it's the software version like Tyler's doing or whether it's a consultancy or whether it's, uh, you know, going on. Building the next generation of morning brews, and I think that's that's really cool. And I, th- I think it shows that you've you, know, you you as a company, you've created a lot of value. There's there's the Peter Thiel thing, where it's like you create X value, and you capture you know, how can you capture Y percent of X. And I used to think for a while that what we did as a company is we did a really good job of making Y and X very very similar numbers. Uh, but seeing people go off and build other companies makes me feel really good that that X is actually much bigger than I originally once thought. And I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah.
0: That's a, that's a, that's inspiring note. And it's a great note to, to end on, uh, Austin, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom here, uh, with, with the podcast and, and, and with me, um, for, uh, any, any upcoming plugs, obviously people should follow you on Twitter and, and be uh, subscribing to, to morning brew and look out for your, your courses. What, what else can people, um, uh, you want to share with people and leave
1: yeah, just, just, just uh, give me a follow on Twitter. Reach out if you have any questions. I love to just chat with people. I, I check my DMs at least once a week, so uh, I'll try to get back to everyone. And Eric, we got to talk about this media company. I didn't know you are doing this. So we should chat more.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I, I eagerly look forward to it. Uh, thanks so much, Austin. Awesome. Thank you. Riverside is a presenting sponsor of Media Empires. It's an essential part of our tech stack. Riverside makes scaling a media business possible for us and so many podcasters and creators. It's our online recording studio not just for the show, but across the entire podcast network. Riverside lets us record interviews with the best guests from wherever they are in the world. Our team can also cut short form clips directly from Riverside. Because as any listener of the show knows, you create once and then publish everywhere. Sign up for Riverside.fm today by following the link in the description box and use our code MediaEmpires to get a 20% discount.